the last time you served or the last time you gave? When's the last time you were really connected with God in worship? I, Eugene and I met this week. We both were thinking about the same subject but hadn't spoken to each other and he reached out to me and we went to lunch and we sat down and we discussed this. And all too often, and I don't want to be presumptuous of you and your, uh, your desires and your spiritual state, but all too often I find myself going through the motions. I find myself singing. I find myself saying amen at the appropriate times. And all the while, I'll be on the front row thinking about, is the temperature right? You know, is it so-and-so this, that, the other? Does the sound sound good? Does this, that, the other? And I'm disconnected from God. And one of the most important things in our life is communing with God. Warren Wiersbe writes in his book about worship, a time when he set out to write the book, he became frustrated looking for a definition and looking at what other people had written about it, that's one thing. But the frustration welled up in him and he says, and I quote in his book, then I decided that the problem was not the vastness of the subject, but the narrowness of my own experience. In other words, the vastness of God and the subject of worship is not what's frustrating. What's frustrating is our own narrowness of experience. I began thinking about this for my own life. This message was a message that God gave me for me. And I'm passing it along to you. I do not presuppose that you do not worship I am not here to judge your spirituality. That's not my job. My job is to tell you that I need to learn to worship. Not just preach, not just attend church, not just go through the motions and say all the spiritual jargon, but to really know Christ. Everyone in the Bible that met the resurrected Christ was forever changed. I think there are three dominant or predominant reasons why we don't worship. The first reason I would say is that we don't know God. We know a lot of facts about God. We know a lot of theological rhetoric. We know a lot of teaching We know a lot of biblical Christian material, but do we know the living God? Do we know Him by experience? This is something that's not new. This was dealt with in the Old Testament. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, Have you not known? Have you not heard? 
The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do you know God? What He hates, what He loves, what He instructs of us. One of the reasons we don't worship God is we don't know God Secondly, one of the reasons why we don't worship is we are consumed with self. We're consumed with ourselves. The advertisers have caught on to this. They, have, they, they make their commercials around this thought that, that you and what you want matters more than anything. Burger King used to advertise, have it your own way. We're consumed with self. And I'm not just talking about corporate worship when we come together. I'm talking about every day of our lives. God is just distant. He's out there. Because we're so consumed with what we like. Well, I'll sing if I like the music. I grew up in a very staunch background where really the piano was the only instrument allowed in a church. I mean, it was like, you know, it's, in, it's the only instrument in heaven. And uh, people that wanted new music were shut down by the people that thought that the hymns were sacred. And it's just the hymns. It's just the hymns. Well, what happens to the people before the hymns? Could they not worship? Do you know that many of the psalms were worship songs written? And see, one of the things that reveals we're consumed with self, it says, I have to only listen to contemporary, or I have to only listen to hymns. It has to be on my terms. Worship has to be on my terms. You see, we as humans want to be in control even over God. We want God to bow down to us, to do what we want to do. And then we leave, man, I love that song. Boy, it's a good song. We really worshiped. Do you know that the, the early church, when they introduced piano hymns, some of the hymns, and when they introduced piano to the church, the churches didn't want it because they thought it was a barroom instrument? Every culture's had to deal with this. And for me to say that you can only worship if you have this type of music is, so, is indicative that I am consumed with myself. Now, I'd be foolish to say that we all have likes and dislikes. I understand that. But when we put our preferences above the Lord of whom we are to worship, then we've made it about us.
It's the consumer mentality. I want you to serve me. Younger days, I would uh, visit someone who visited our church and I would give them the sales pitch of why they need to be here. We're different. We do all, you know, blah, 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 blah. And now, the older I get now, I'm like, look, we are who we are. We're broken. If you want to come, come. If you don't, I'm, I, I, please find somewhere that you can worship the Lord. Christianity is a big business. We're going to have Batman at church, and we're going to have uh, Superman, and we're going to uh, all the other stuff. They had trolls at one church. Uh, Bryce is a master at finding this stuff and sends it to me, and I have to laugh. They had people dressed as trolls dancing on the stage at church and developing a spiritual lesson out of a movie Trolls that 90% of you, I hope, would not even want to watch because it's trolls. <laughs> not because it's like, like not biblical, it's just trolls. And uh, we're consumed with self. I've got to be entertained. Listen, you don't need more entertainment. We've killed enough brain cells on endless, mindless nothing. We need the presence of God. We need to commune with Jesus Christ. I need to get public enemy number one to me out of the way, which is me, myself. I need to get that out so that I can be consumed with Him. I would say lastly, the reason we don't worship is we have the wrong motives. Well, if I don't go to church, something bad's going to happen today. If I don't give, then, you know, I'm going to have something break down. My car's going to break down. You see, all these motives. I'll only serve if, if someone sees me. I, I, I will only worship and sing when someone's watching me or if there's a, an audience. We were talking in our Sunday school class, and Brother Jason was teaching, and we were, or I think it was Ryan, and uh, Jason was sick that night. And Ryan was teaching. We were talking about um, pastors. And at one time, we had uh, early on, and I think Joe was still on the board back then, we had a fellow that we was going to have a revival come in. We were a small church. And the guy said before he could come, he had to have X amount of dollars, and he had all these demands that we had to meet. And I thought, you know, I'll tell you this. We, we might have been a small church, but we've always taken care of people. And I just got with the deacons and said, guys, I just don't feel good about this. Putting that demand, now I know a, a man is worthy of his hire, but someone already put in stipulations that we've got to do all this stuff before he even comes. And so we agreed, and I called him. I said, look, we, we've never done that for anyone else, and we just feel like we will take care of you, but we're not going to be able to meet those demands. And he said, well, it's too close to we can't promote it like we need to promote it and all this. And I'm like, promote a revival? My gracious, if God's going to send a revival, he's going to send it whether you promote it or not. But listen to what Warren Wiersbe says. And this is, this is foundational. This is huge. This is one of those things that I want to write down and, and keep it before me. I am not worshiping him because of what he will do for me, but because of what he is to me. That's the heart of worship. Jesus said, you honor me with your hearts. Or your mouths, your lips. But your hearts are far from me. What about our hearts in this church? Isn't he 
everything. He is everything. And I'll be honest with you, there are times when we come together and all we do is focus on us and never even think of him. And I'm not a gambling man, but if I were a gambling man, I would bet that if we can't worship together with people that love the Lord corporately, then we're probably not worshiping on our own daily in our own lives. So where do I start? I want to give you two quick examples in the Bible. Two quick examples, and, and then and I'll be finished. Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 8. I want to give you an example of Moses. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Verse 8, watch this. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. He didn't go to a seminar on how to worship. What he did do was he saw the Lord. And so he made haste and bowed his head to the earth and worshipped. And you say, well, that's great, but that's the Old Testament. Well, what about the New Testament? How about John? In John in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 through 17, John says this, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as one of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead." But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Where do I start? Where do I start? Five things quickly. Number one, I must see God and know God as he is. We cannot conjure up in our own minds who God is. We have to see God for who he is as revealed through the scripture. The everlasting creator. The sustainer. The giver of life. The Savior. That's how we must see Him. We should not become too chummy with God. We have to have a reverence and a fear of God. The Bible tells us that both knowledge and wisdom 
is, is the fear of God. The beginning of both knowledge and wisdom is the fear of God. We've lost our fear in this land. We used to refer to people as a God-fearing man or woman. We no longer refer to people like that. I must see Him and know Him as He is. Number two, I must desire to have intimacy with Him. You and I are adults, and some of you young people in here will be adults soon. And what I have learned about people, it's common among every one of us, we do what we want to do. That's the bottom line. You eat what you eat, want to eat, you go where you want to go, you say what you want to say, and many a time we blame it on the flesh, we blame it on the devil, we blame it on everybody, but we're simply doing what we want to do. Do you have the desire to be intimacy with him? Number three, I must be fully engaged in pursuit of him. When I'm singing praise to him, if I am not thinking of him, I am, my heart is not in it. I am wandering, and I have a wandering mind. Is anybody else with me? Can you say squirrel? And we must be fully engaged. When we sing, are we even thinking of him? Are we cutting up and carrying on when we're worshiping him? Well, preacher, you don't want to be one of them old fuddy-duddies. We must have fun. Let me ask you something. Is fun going to sustain you when you have a, a life or death situation? I'm all about fun, but there are times for fun. And there's a time to be serious. And when we're worshiping the Lord, that is a time that we should be fully engaged in pursuing Him. Not ourselves. Number four, I must surrender myself. I must give control of myself. I must die to myself. Why? Because I want to be in control of myself. Anyone else with me? Yes, you are. Because you're human and you want to be in control. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me where to go. What to... Let me tell you something. Get rid of that notion because everybody tells you what you're going to do and you obey them. Always cracking me up, teenagers. Nobody's going to tell me how to live. Well, pull your pants up because culture's telling you how to live and you're following it. I must surrender myself. And then lastly, I must learn to be sensitive to him. We don't talk about these things in church anymore. I must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Listen, you and I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And when He is moving in our midst, and when He is doing something, we need to be surrendered to Him, being sensitive to Him, being engaged with Him, desiring to have that intimacy with Him, knowing who He is and what He can do. Because... I want to tell you, I have officiated more funerals than I ever thought I would ever have to do as a pastor. I have a stack of cards I keep, funeral cards, about that large of funerals I've had to preach. And you know what? Every one of them, when they died, they left everything that most people are consumed with on this earth, they left it all behind. Every bit of it. What is your life if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? You say, well, I'm saved and know my way to heaven. What's well, interesting, that word for soul there is suke. In the Greek, it can be also interpreted life. What if you gained the whole world and lost your life?
What value is it? Will you worship with us? Brother Gene.